Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hey, Cricket customers, Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Nice! Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Yeah! Phone plan streams and standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. Welcome to Harvest Christian Center. I'm Dr. Foreman, and you're getting ready to hear an incredible message from God's Word. If this message speaks to you in a supernatural way like we believe it will, be sure to let us know at our website, harvestcc.me. If you're led to sow into the ministry of Harvest Christian Center, you can do so as well by visiting our website. Get ready to prepare your heart, mind, and spirit to receive this incredible Word that God has for you today. Remember, love God, love people, and love life. Let's go into the message already in progress. That's something special. Sometimes when you go through seasons of life, that season will carry a song. Uh, the children of Israel, often when they went through bad seasons, they learned how to sing negative songs. And so that's why the scripture would always tell them to sing a new song. Say new song. New song. So, so sometimes when you're going through a rough season, before you go pull back one of them old tired songs that, that oh, woe is me and messed up is this and this ain't right and oh, Lord, all that. Before you do that, sometimes you just need to say, Lord, I need a fresh song. I need a new song, something that's going to carry me right through this hell, because this too shall pass. I, I, I'm walking through the valley, baby, but I ain't going to be stuck in this valley. You, Hallelujah. Y'all ready to get into the word tonight? We welcome those at all of our campuses tonight. We're glad you're with us. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive every wise message that I'm Hallelujah. Remain standing. Go back to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, where we were from uh, this past weekend in our summer concert series. Luke chapter 15. Say, it's working for my good. Say it again. Say, it's working for my good. Luke chapter 15, verse number 3. When you have it, say, I got it, Bishop. If you're still flipping, say, hold on, Bishop. All right, I'll wait on you because it's working for you good. Luke chapter 15, verse number three. So he spoke this parable to them saying, the first parable I told you was about a sheep, a lost sheep. And it talks about how the good shepherd would leave the 99 to go find the one. Then it tells a story about a coin. Then we get to the story about the lost son. We often call him the prodigal son, but uh, to be textually accurate, he is the lost son who lived 
a prodigal life. You understand? Now, verse 11 says, Then a certain man had how many sons? Two. And the son said to him, Father, uh, verse 21, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Isn't it interesting what he disqualified himself from that his father didn't disqualify him from? What have you talked yourself out of that God didn't say had to be that way? Why did you talk yourself into thinking you got to be average? Why did you talk yourself into thinking you got to have messed up relationships? Why, who told you that? Look at him say, who told you that? Y- y'all remember the movie Coming to America uh, when... Y'all remember the movie Coming to America? Anybody? Did y'all watch TV in Denver? Y'all be looking. Uh, Remember remember at the end uh, uh, when Simi had told the other daughter, the younger daughter, that that Simi, that he was the prince. And then remember when the king, King Joffrey Jafar was in there. Y'all remember when the king was in there? And, and, and Mr. McDowell was in there. I forget his first name. Mr. McDowell was in there. And, uh, and, and, and she came in and she was like, what's everybody making a big deal over him? He's just a servant. And then everybody turned around like. And then she was like, he's the prince. And then remember the king turned around and who told you that? Uh, that's God's question to you tonight. Who told you that? Who told you you got to be messed up, jacked up? Who, who told you that it's got to be that way? What have you disqualified yourself from based on your own conclusion? All right, here it is. Here it is. He, he, he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your servant. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him because he's been uncovered. I need to cover him. <laughs> and put a ring on his hand, reestablish him, give him the family name, and put some sandals on his feet because he's got some problems with his feet. <laughs> they stink. <laughs> Namely, is the problem with his feet. Uh, 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 verse 23, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and let's have a party. Verse 24, this my son was dead, but he is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they began to be married. They began to have a party. Father, speak to us tonight. Tonight, I pray, Father, that as we delve back into this same place, Father, that you would breathe on it fresh. Father, we thank you for your rhema, which is the preceding word of God, which means you can take a story that people have heard a million times and yet breathe something fresh on it and speak in a fresh way. Tonight, as we relitigate this particular passage of Scripture, speak to us afresh. In Jesus' name, we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. As you take your seats, encourage your neighbor and just tell them, say, coming home, coming home, coming home, coming home. Uh, In our uh, summer concert series, uh, we've been taking some popular and well-known songs in our culture and extracting spiritual principles for them, and uh, that can improve our lives. And this weekend, we did a song uh, by the hip-hop artist Diddy said, Coming Home. Say it again, Coming Home. I did not get uh, the proper opportunity to uh, properly exegete the text, so I'm going to do part two tonight. Exegete, ex uh, is the prefix just meaning out of, ajit, just so we're going to take out of the scripture and present something to you tonight. Uh, Watch this. Uh, When you are at harvest, I can't speak for any other house, but I can speak for this house. Be careful to never assume that whatever is preached is for your neighbor. Because your pastor has the ghost, not the guest. So this might not be for you today, but it's going to be for your tomorrow. So say this with me. I want to say the same thing we said. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, Father, help me to see myself in this message. 
So here we are. We're going to go verse by verse, but I want to bring something fresh that I did not get the opportunity to exegete on Sunday. Verse 12, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And I told you this weekend, we're going to review a little bit as well, uh, that this was tantamount to wishing that his father was dead because the inheritance wasn't to be given until the father had passed away. So the question reveals an entirely different issue. Uh, often understand this, that the quality of questions that you ask determine the quality of life that you live. I'm going to say that again. The quality of questions that you ask determine the quality of life that you live. So when we look at a person's questions, we really then can determine where a person has been, where a person is, and quite frankly, where it is that a person is going. Okay, all right, I can see we're going to have to work this. It reveals this question uh, uh, to his father, which is really quite, quite, quite honestly could be interpreted as a statement. He says, Father, uh, give to me uh, uh, the portion of goods that falls to me. Well, that could be interpreted as a question because I don't know who in the Hebrew culture would approach his father that way. And the Hebrew culture, you didn't want, you know, we got a whole nother culture now where, you know, your kids call you by your first name and stuff like that. But in the Hebrew culture, there was none of that. In the Hebrew culture, uh, a son could never even approach his father in what could be interpreted to be a disrespectful manner. Uh, so, for example, if, 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 if the father was doing something in error, the son couldn't say, Daddy, you need to quit doing that to Mama. He couldn't say that in the Hebrew culture. In the Hebrew culture, instead, he would have to say to his father, Father, what does Torah say about treating your wife? You, you missed what I said. He had to ask a question, and in, in, embedded in the question was a statement. So then when we see uh, Luke 15, 12, Father, give to me the portion of good that falls to me, so he bought it to them his livelihood. We really have to understand that from a cultural context that he would not have just approached his father that way. He had to ask a question, and in that question that he asked his father was embedded a statement. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But this reveals an entirely different issue because the son had to know that this was tantamount to him wishing that his father was dead. So my question is, what was going on in their relationship that made this younger son get to the point to where he had the audacity, the unmitigated gall to wish that his father was dead based on a question that he asked which had an embedded statement? So you're not hearing what I'm saying. When people are speaking to you, you've got to be careful that you're actually listening to what it is that they're saying. Not what you interpreted them to be saying, but what it is that they actually said. So when this son says, Father, give to me the portion of goods that falls to me, he's really saying, something happened and I'm so angry, I wish you were dead. Okay, all right, I can see this is, okay, all right, all right. Watch this. I asked you this question in part one. I said, why didn't the son talk to his father and be real? Listen to this. The necessary conversations that you won't have determine the unnecessary complications that you will create. I'm going to say it again because there's so many words. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you again, note takers. The necessary conversations that you won't have. Okay. There's some stuff you know you need to have a conversation about, and you're sitting up saying, well, I ain't going to say nothing. I just wait. Wait till the timing is right. Well, well, sometimes the right time is now. Okay, it's real quiet in here. I can see it's going to be one of them nights. That's all right. Teach, Bishop. I will. The necessary conversations that you won't have determine the unnecessary complications that you create. How much of the hell you're dealing with was not pre-scheduled hell, but it was hell you put on the calendar? My question is, why didn't the son sit down with his father and be real and have a real conversation with him? 
Because perhaps he could have shared with his father, this is what's really going on inside of me. This is what's really going on. I've been sitting up. I've been having this thought. I've been sitting up. This has been going on. This has been going on. This has been happening. Can you help me? No, instead, he comes to a conclusion on his own based on half the information. Okay, I can see we're going to have to dig tonight. All right, that's cool. Verse 13, here it is. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with what? Uh, y'all, okay, y'all going to come on here now. With what? With prodigal living. Now, now, check this out. I said this to you in part one, uh, that the son had time to think about it. Now, I, I, I put this on social media today. Um, understand this, that a bad moment can turn into a bad minute. A mismanaged minute can turn into a mismanaged hour. A mismanaged hour can turn into a mismanaged day. A mismanaged day turns into a mismanaged week. Come on, math students. A mismanaged week turns into mismanaged months. Mismanaged months turn into mismanaged years. Mismanaged years creates a bad mindset. How many decades have you wasted of your life because you had a messed up mindset about what was really supposed to be going on? The most difficult thing to change is somebody's mind. Oh, God, I wish I had somebody here and here. That's why the scripture says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, which means every day I got to make a decision to make my mind over brand new. I got to make a decision that my thoughts for yesterday may have been good enough to get me to where they got me, but I need better and superior thoughts today to get to where I'm going because the thoughts I thought were only good enough to get me to where I'm at. Your life, I've said this a million in times, so here's a million in one. Your life is perfectly set up and designed to give you the results you're getting. You think perfectly to get what you have. This son sat up and was to trip about the situation. As the Bible says, and not many days after. So he had time to think about the horrible decision he made. Which means there's some stuff you said, I've been thinking about it a long time, and this is the conclusion I came to. That mean that's the right conclusion. Don't you let for one minute you think because you've been thinking about it for a while that all that time has made you make a correct decision. People say time heals all. That's a lie. What you do with the time determines whether or not you're going to get healed. I know folk that's been dealing with stuff for 20 years, and they had a lot of time, but they still ain't over what it was that happened 20 years ago. It's not time, but it's what you're doing with the time. This son sat up, and he played a bad movie in his mind. <laughs> this bad minutes turned to bad days, bad days, bad weeks, and weeks, and months, and bad years, and then he has a corrupted mindset. And here's what he should have done, y'all. And here's, what, and here's often what we have to do. He should have silenced his own foolish thoughts. Who's in charge, you or your mind? Who, 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 who's in charge? You just let your mind sit up and think stuff? Okay, I can see it's going to be one of them nights. Okay, all right, that's cool. Uh, 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 it, do you just let your mind sit up and come to whatever conclusion it wants to come to? Scripture says, take every thought captive and bring it into obedience. And, and I've talked to you this before, which means literally you interrogate it. Where'd you come from? What'd you see that made you think that? Who'd you hear that made you come to that conclusion? <laughs> he sits there, y'all, and he thinks up that, uh, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. And he sort of silenced those foolish thoughts. And on the weekend, I asked you this. I said, what conversations did he have with so-called friends that should have pointed him to his father, but instead they pointed them away from him? Okay. If you're trying to figure out, I don't know if this is God or not. If it's pointing you away from the word, that ain't God. 
Okay, so that's just real simple. I just knocked out 90% of what your friend told you on the phone today. Are you hearing what I'm saying? His friends should have pointed him to his father. When he went to his friends, his friends should have said, and you said, Bishop, I didn't read it nowhere uh, where, uh, where Jesus talked about him talking to his friends. Sure, but he's a man, so you know he talked to his friends. Amen. He's a human being, so you know he talked to somebody. Because often stupid has friends. Amen. Stupid normally isn't stupid on its own. Okay, y'all, y'all ain't going to say nothing? Can we all be honest? We've all had stupid moments. Don't sit up here and act like you ain't had a stupid moment. You normally had a stupid friend that helped you in your stupid moment. And they're saying stupid stuff. And you were like, you know what? That's right. <laughs> Here's the deal. Bishop, you say, Bishop, how do you know he didn't have good friends? We know that they weren't good friends because we can see from the story that he had a problem making good decisions. So if he was a poor decision maker, that means that tells us automatically that he didn't have good friends. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I said this to you the weekend. I bet you they criticized him. I bet you his friends criticized him, saying stuff. And I said on the weekend, you're different. You're changing. You just go to church. You're always at that church. Here's what they'll say to you to try to get you. If all of what you're doing is so good, then why are you going through that? If your God is so good, if you do all that praying, and, and then especially the ones that, that don't do right, because they're, trying, they're, they're, they're thinking that the storm you're currently going through somehow is a measurement of the quality of life that you live. You could have a mansion and live in Miami, but you're still going to go through hurricanes. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Don't, don't you look at my life and judge the storm that's going on right now and make you think that that's God that somehow is not working. No, it's working for me. And proof that it's working is that the storm killed that one and killed that one and knocked that one out. But I'm still standing. I'm, don't you think that this means anything? You could have a million-dollar home in the Bahamas, but when the storm comes, it's coming. It's going to rain on the just and the unjust. That's what they would say. Don't, face, don't let the storm mess with you. Don't let, it, don't let the storm mess with you and make you somehow think that, well, it's not working. Oh, no, storm's going to happen. No, no, that, that's guaranteed. That he put in the book. What he didn't put in the book is, is, is what they used to sing in the song. Nobody told me that the road was going to be easy. Come on, y'all. Come on. Some of y'all came up in the old church. But I don't believe that he's brought me this far. No. No. And you know what? I don't feel no ways. You know what I'm doing? I'm still running. I, 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 I may have to stop sometimes and catch my breath a little bit, but I'm still running. I, I might have to pick myself up out of a low place sometime, but I'm still running because... Not to see what the end's going to be, but I know what the end's going to be because he told me what the end was before he even started me in the beginning. And I know, Jeremiah 29, 11, the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. Which means, which means this, which means this, which means this. Don't let people's criticism send you to the pig pen. And let me say this to you, and I said this in the weekend. We're going to do some review, and I'm going to give you some fresh stuff, but listen to this. If they aren't criticizing anything, you must not be very effective. If, you, if, if there's nobody that's criticizing anything, then you're probably doing nothing. <laughs> okay. Maybe, I don't know, maybe online they can hear me because they evidently can't hear me in the auditorium here at Aurora. If people aren't criticizing anything, then it's probably because you're doing nothing. Do, do you understand this? So when you see a critic, you need to smile. 
When you see a hater, you need to smile. Why am I smiling, Bishop? Because that means evidently you're doing something. And here's the deal. Since people are going to say what they're going to say anyway, I might as well give you something to talk about. Let's give them something to talk about. So I ought to let you see me doing well since you're going to talk about me anyhow. I ought to let you see me walking to the bank since you're going to talk about me anyhow. I ought to let you see me go down low but then watch God pick me up. I ought to let you see it anyhow since you're going But now here it is. Here it is. Got to move. Got to move. Got to move. He packs up and gets as far away from his father as he can. He changes his phone number, changes his email address, quits his working for his father. He essentially falls off the face of the planet. And the Bible says he lives prodigally. And I told you that word means wasteful soft or underdeveloped. Now, now, now check this out. Um, there is always going to be a part of you that sometimes is ready for something that you are not ready for. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, pe- pe- people, people sometimes say, well, the Lord will never give you more than you can handle. Problem is that they didn't read the verse right. Now, watch this. Here's the, here's the interesting paradox. God often gives you situations that are beyond your human ability so that you have to learn how to believe and trust in him. See, it's not until you get to the end of you that you can discover the beginning of him. But, but, but now check this out, check this out, check this out. This, this son, here's the opposite end of that coin, because this son, uh, he's wasteful, he's prodigal, he doesn't know what he's doing, watch this, yet he thinks he does. Sometimes the most dangerous person is a person who thinks they know what they don't. That's why the scripture says, take heed those who think you stand, lest you fall. What was he saying? He was saying, don't, don't get so caught up in your own ability that, that you eliminate God in the equation. Because then you'll learn how to depend on you, but not how to depend on him. And the problem with you is that you're you. Okay, all right, it's, 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 okay, all right, now, 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 now watch this. Uh, verse 14, but when he had spent all, there rose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in what? Father, touch these people. <laughs> touch them right now. <laughs> but when he had spent all that he had, there rose a severe famine in that land. Notice, the famine wasn't at his daddy's house. The famine was in the land that he traveled to. Okay, it's, 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 real, it's real quiet right there. Uh, in that land, and he began to be in what? Want. Now, now I, I said this to you uh, this weekend. Uh, important. Uh, for a short season, it looked as if he had made the right decision to leave his father. But God sometimes has a way of showing you better than he can tell you. There's some stuff, got, uh, there's a story uh, about a man who, he was caught in a flood. Uh, and in the flood, the, the man uh, made his way to his roof. And he prayed to God and he said, God save me, God save me. You know the story, a boat comes up. The man on the boat says, come on man, get in the boat, I'm here to save you. The man says, no, I'm waiting on the Lord. Man says, listen, man, I got a boat right here. I can take you to safety right now. We can get you off this roof because the, the water is continuing to rise. You need to get off this roof. Man says, no, I'm waiting on the Lord. It's okay. You can go. Thank you. He goes, man on the boat's like, all right. He leaves. 
Then a man, uh, uh, another person comes, a helicopter comes, one of the news helicopters comes, they spot him on his roof. And you can imagine the reporters, because you know the reporters are so extra. Jane, it looks like there's, my God, there is someone down on that roof. Can you get a close-up? Turn the camera, turn the camera. My God, that is a man on that roof. So, so you know how they do, so then the camera comes down, the camera's on him, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and he's, and he's the, the cousin of the lady who said, ain't nobody got time for that? So you know when the camera got up on him, he didn't know the right stuff to say. You understand? And so, and so, and so the camera's down on him. And so they dropped the ladder down and they said, come on up, sir. We're here to save you. We're here to rescue because the water's coming. And if you don't come now, you're going to die. The man says, listen, ain't nobody got time for that because the Lord's coming. He's his cousin. You understand? Her cousin. You understand? The Lord's going to come save me. Thank you, though. I appreciate it. God bless y'all. Water comes up, man drowns. He goes before the Lord. He goes with a little attitude. This is the bishop version of the story. I twisted it. He goes with attitude. He's like, Lord, I went to church every week. I was on the deacon's board, the usher board. My wife was in the nurses' guild. Some of y'all don't know nothing about him. He, 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 said, he said, Lord, I've done all of this for you. I served you. I gave. I was, I was faithful. I served in the dream team. And I had one request of you that you would save me. And you didn't save me. How could you do that to me, God? The Lord. I love the Lord. He gets up off the throne. Because, you know, he needs to have one-on-one. He's like, look at here now. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Now, you asked me. And I sent somebody with a boat. But because the answer I sent didn't look like what you thought it was going to look like in your mind, you sent it down the road. And then I got extravagant, and I had Channel 9, Adele Arakawa, and Mike Nelson them. I had them come find you to send the ladder down to find you. Ain't nobody else got saved like that. And I did all of that. And then you sent them on their way. He said, listen, don't you be angry with me that you're up here prematurely. You didn't like the answer that I sent to you. Okay, okay, God. What, but, 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 what, 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 what's this? What, what, what's this? What, what, what's this? What's this? Sometimes, because the man wouldn't hear the people. You, you look at this pattern in the Bible. The Bible says that God would send the prophets, but the people wouldn't hear the prophets. they just kill them. They'd stone them. They'd talk about them. They'd ridicule them. The prophet tried to say, listen, if you do this, God's going to do this. We don't want to hear that. So they throw the prophet away. What's this? What is it that you've asked for that you've been given that you ignore that you have? Okay. All right. What's this? What's this? What's this? In this severe famine, say severe famine. In this severe famine, we find now that this boy becomes in want. And I said this to you, and it's so important, so important, uh, and so profound that I'm going to say it to you again. When you're in want, you lose discretion. When you're hungry, really hungry, you'll eat anything. <laughs> it's real quiet here. You'll eat anything when you're really hungry. You'll get stuff off a food truck that looks a little questionable. They ain't got no hair nets. She handling money and grabbing tortillas at the same time. 
It's quiet in here. When you're in want, you'll lose discretion in dating. When you don't want to be alone, you'll date anybody. Even when you clearly see and clearly understand that they are well below your pay grade. People say there's plenty of fish in the sea. Yes, catfish. But if, you, if you're talking about you want a shark, that's going to take a little time to catch. That's, that's gonna, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty of fish in the sea. Cheap ones, sure. Plenty of them. Okay, it's okay. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to preach right here. Right here. Okay, because. <laughs> you'll lose discretion when you're in want, when you want friends. You'll get with people who have no spirituality. You try to have a spiritual conversation with them, and they talk about, ain't God all right? And you're like, did you really just say that to me? You lose discretion because you just want to have somebody to talk to. When, when you're in want, you lose discretion. So, so, so you'll make choices. Watch this. I've said this a million times. You will make, watch this, permanent decisions from temporary locations. Because you're not always going to be in want. Yet you'll make decisions like you're always going to be in want. And often the permanency of the decision that you make in that temporary situation cannot be undone. All right. All right. You, you've heard this saying. You've heard this saying. You've heard this saying. Uh, a night of passion can give you a lifetime of pain. You, you've probably heard. Y'all haven't heard that here in Denver? <laughs> y'all heard this saying? Now, here, I just want to extract the principle. I just want to extract the principle. The, the principle is this, is that when you get in want, that is the time you need to be the most sensitive to what you're doing. Be, be, because watch this, when you're in want, watch this, focus creates blindness. Okay. Now, focus is good, but it depends on the context. When you're in want and the only thing you can see is your want, you're now blind to everything attached to the decision that you're making. So you're not seeing that if I make this decision, well, then this and this and this and this and this is going to happen because you're focused. So now you're blind, but you're blind because you're in want. Okay. All right. All right. Are y'all still here? I can see we're just going to have to talk through this one. That's all right. That's fine. Uh, this moment. Say this moment. Come on. Say it now. It was this moment. This was an opportune time for the son to return home to his father, but his pride wouldn't let him. Now, I said this to you. Pride comes before a fall. Now, 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 check this out. To fall must indicate that you're leaving one level to go down to another level. It is the antithetical way that God deals. We go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. So God says, I'm trying to increase you. But then a fall then decreases you. Comes before a fall. Now, a fall into what? A fall into the pit that your pride had been digging for you. Okay, all right, let's walk this out. Let's walk this out. Let's walk this out. Uh, watch this. Pride comes before a fall, and shame is the root of pride. Why do people lie? They're ashamed of truth. You ever met somebody? Okay, all right, let, let's not talk about them. Let's talk about you. S since y'all are already acting very cerebral tonight, let's just pretend we're in a therapy session, and it's just me and you, and this is totally free. No charge, okay? All right, it's very important now, because you go to your lawyer, they're going to charge you. Go to your doctor, they're going to charge you. Go to the mechanic, they're going to charge you. I'm doing this right here gratis. It's on the house. 
Here it is. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, when you look at the times in your life you've lied and been dishonest, this is me and you. Not, they're not even here. Track the root of why you lied. It's normally because you were ashamed of what reality was. And let's be honest. Everybody in here has lied. If you say I have not, you're lying now. So now you lied. <laughs> okay, watch this. You, you, you ever had, now let's, let's, now let's do outwardly now. You ever had a friend that every time that friend opened their mouth, you knew they were being dishonest? And you knew they were being dishonest because they were talking. So had they told you, oh man, you can wear shorts today, you go out with a parka. You got on snow boots because you're like, I just can't trust them to tell the truth for anything. If they tell you, if, watch this, if they tell you they made $200 doing that, you know that really means they made $75 and got some six-pack of Pepsi. <laughs> and they got the Pepsi because they're unsaved, because only unsaved people mess with Pepsi. Christians like Coke. Right. So if you need to give your heart to the Lord tonight, we're going to have the invitation in just a moment. But no, you can't love God and like Pepsi because, no, I'm going to no, tell you why. No, I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> because it shows that, see, the Bible says, Jesus said, if you love me, then do what I tell you. Now, see, now see watch this. Now, watch this. <laughs> see, I can make this work now. I can, it's working for my good. I'm just messing with you. It's okay if you like Pepsi. Nobody's perfect. So, Pride. here it is, Proverbs 16, 18. Put it up. Pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit. What's a haughty spirit? A spirit that thinks it can never fall. It's a spirit that says, ooh, I'll never do that. Better be careful of your nevers. Anybody ever had never teach you a lesson? I never do that. And then never was like, say it again. <laughs> let, me, let me, so somebody says, Bishop, then what should I say? I don't plan on doing thus and so. As I said, Bishop, it doesn't matter what you say. Yes, it does. Jesus says you will give an account for your idle words. They're words that you said passively because they became habitual to you. So sometimes you say never and you don't even mean it in a haughty way. You're just saying it. The issue is, is it still came out your mouth. It's an idle word. Okay? Now, now check this out. Check this out. Check this out. The root of, the root of pride is shame. Watch this. Pride kept Judas from repenting. Can you consider that Judas didn't have to do all of what he did? Okay, now I, I know what you're thinking. But Bishop, if Judas didn't do that, then how would Jesus have made it to the cross? Trust me, he would have made it to the cross. Consider this. Consider, let's say it even got to that point. While he was on the cross, why didn't Judas go and repent? It's, it's real quiet right here. Why did Judas not repent for anything that he had done? His pride. Because watch this. When you make a mistake, you're ashamed about it. So then pride steps in to conceal and to cover up rather than to be real. So rather than saying, I blew it, I messed up, I shouldn't have did that, pride says, nope, I got to cover it up. And if I repent for it, then I'm admitting that I was wrong in the first place. And I don't want you to know that I was wrong in the first place because I was projecting that I was right the whole time to you. And I don't want to have to admit to you that I wasn't right the whole time because then that'll bring into question everything that you thought I ever said. 
See, 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 watch this. But, but I'm going to help us because in just a moment we're going to do something to pride. Uh, but, but watch this, watch this, watch this. Pride, watch this, uh, uh, kept Saul from repenting. You remember King Saul? King Saul, God says, listen, I want you to go and I want you to kill everything. Kill everything. In fact, I believe old King James says, utterly kill and destroy everything. You know what Saul goes and does? Saul, Saul keeps some of the animals. And then he comes up with this famous line that a lot of Christians quote out of context. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Okay, well, most people quote that out of context. Uh, God said kill everything. Now, what's unclear about kill everything? Is there anything that can be misinterpreted? No. So, but what does Saul do? Saul says, but I'm going to keep some stuff. So here's what he said. So I could sacrifice it as an offering to you. So then the man of God responds and says, your obedience is better than sacrificing. Had you done what God had asked for, he didn't want you to sow that. He wanted you to sow doing what he said. That's the appropriate context for that. People use that for all kinds of stuff. That's the appropriate context. Now, now, now check this out. Uh, Saul could have went to God and said, God, I messed up. I, I apologize. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't know his pride wouldn't let him do that. So Samuel, uh, the man of God, eventually dies. And, and you know what happens? Is, and then God won't deal with Saul. He said, I don't, I don't want to have a conversation with you. I'm leaving you and I'm going to David. But I'm going to leave you in position. I'm just not going to help you. Don't have time to deal with that. He said, I'm going to leave you because I'm not going to help you. So check out what happens. So then Saul goes, he gets a medium to conjure uh, uh, Samuel up. And Samuel says, what are you bothering me for? I'm trying to be with the Lord. I mean, what, what do you want? <clears throat> he goes through this. He says, do you not understand that your obedience would have been better than your sacrifice? God rejected you from being king over Israel. Got it? He didn't say he rejected you. He said he rejected you from being king. Why? Because your pride. Why didn't you just say I was wrong? One of the most difficult things for many people to say is I was wrong. And you know why it's difficult for, for and, and I, I, I don't know, remember it's just me and you still on the couch. We just, just me and you still on the couch. You, you know why it's difficult for us to sometimes say it's wrong? It, it's because we feel like we'll lose something by admitting that we had a human moment. Hmm. Watch this. Here's my question. What has your pride already robbed you of? Because it's a thief. John 10, 10, 10. John 10, 10, rather, says, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Which means life, might, is a choice. Okay? Which means you can have the person Jesus but not have the principle Jesus so you never actually live life. You just breathe. Are you still here? Now, now, here's my question. What has your pride already robbed you of? How many friendships has it stolen? How many houses has it stolen? Okay, okay, all right. How many cars? Can we have an honest moment? How many cars has it stolen? How many relationships that, that should have worked has it stolen? What has it stolen? Anybody, can we be honest? Anybody ever had pride steal some stuff? Okay, all right, good, good. Now, for those of you that haven't, then what I'm getting ready to say does not apply to you, so do not shout. You cannot shout. I've, do not shout what I'm getting ready to say. Only if pride has stolen some stuff does what I'm getting ready to say uh, apply to you. Ready? Uh, go to Proverbs 631. Go to Proverbs 631. Pride robbed the prodigal. It robbed Judas. It robbed Saul. It robbed so many men in the scripture. It robbed Samson. But, but I'm going to show you what we're going to do right now. Only to those where pride has stole something. So all you that just didn't want to lift your hand because your pride wouldn't let you lift it. <laughs> You just stole, it stole what we're going to do. 
Yet, when he is found, he's talking about a thief, he must restore. I'm talking to you because they. Yet, when he is found, half the issue is figuring out who stole it. And you sitting here pointing at the devil and God sent you in here tonight to say it wasn't the devil, it was your pride. But I got an announcement for you. Pride may have stolen it, but since we found that joker, this is just for those where pride has stole some stuff. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. (laughs) Now, this is just for those of us that can be honest and say pride has stole some stuff. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I found a promise. The promise says, when I identify the thief, now I can hold him accountable. I want restitution, and I want it now. Forgive me for my pride, but I declare that I'm going to be paid back sevenfold. Everything pride ever stole from me. See, because some of y'all are thinking, well, no, since it was me, God can't do that. Baby, you better learn how to read the book. When you identify the thief, see, that's why it's so difficult to often identify the root. It's difficult to identify the thief. Because when you identify it, then you can hold it accountable and call it to justice. (laughs) That's That's why when Jesus is telling the parable about the woman who went to the unjust judge every day, and he said, uh, now, if, if the, woman went to, the woman went to the judge every day, and she said, listen, hear my case, hear my case, hear my case, hear my case, hear my case. The judge wouldn't hear the case. Eventually, he got tired of her bothering him, and so he said, fine, I'll hear your case, and what is it that you want me to do? I'll do it. <laughs> you missed the point. Uh, what we then have to do is once we find a promise, then we have to argue that promise until we see the manifestation of that promise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which means pride has stolen some stuff pride has kept you from apologizing when you shouldn't have apologized pride has caused you to lose some jobs pride has caused you to mess up some relationships pride has lost you some money pride has lost you some automobiles and some opportunities pride has cost you some stuff but now since I figured out what it was I can hold them accountable somebody said but Bishop isn't it you that did it you're missing the point (laughs) yet when he is found got to restore sevenfold, which means now until I see seven times what I identify pride has stolen, then every day I'm waking up saying pride in the name of Jesus. I found you and I declare you must restore to me sevenfold what you took from me because you were your own thief and didn't know it. All right. Okay. Let's move. Let's move. Y'all still here? Now, verse 15. We're almost through. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, I said this to you this weekend. He forgets who Sonny is. He forgets his pedigree. He forgets his family name. And he joins himself to a citizen of that country. And I told you that Greek word was kaleo, which means 
He joined himself closely. He cleaved. He adhered to. He kept company with. And, and, I, and, I, and, and I gave you the other Greek definition, which meant friendly intercourse. And, and here's the imagery, because the Bible always likes to use imagery so you can see it. Uh, when it. When it says that he joined himself to a citizen of that country, literally what he did uh, is the scripture was saying that there was someone that was validating his insanity. There was someone that was, watch this, cohabitating with his mess. Uh, there was somebody that was saying, well, you know what, you're right for doing this, you're right for doing that, and you should have did this, and you should have did that. The problem is, is, is that it was endorsing insanity. It was endorsing foolishness. It was endorsing a mess. And the truth of the matter is this. When you're running from right and when you're running from God, there's normally somebody feeding your insanity, and sometimes it's you. Sometimes you can cleave to yourself. And then you start saying stuff like, I can't trust nobody but me because I know I won't let myself down. You have now kaleoed with yourself. Do you see the imagery? That's why the Bible calls it friendly intercourse because it's the imagery. It wants you to see the imagery. It's saying you are now literally exchanging uh, 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 everything about you with this other thought. Do you understand this? Now, he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, 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 now watch this. Watch this. Say, Lord, help me. To not be my own worst enemy. Watch this. Watch this. If, if, if you fail, it will not be because of the devil. It will be because of broken focus. Now, Bishop, didn't you just tell me that focus would make me blind? Okay, take it in the context that I told you. Sure. But in the appropriate context, that's good. Bishop, Bishop, what do you mean? Bishop, what do you mean? Okay, let me, let me walk with you. I'm going to walk with you. Okay? If a person does not succeed, it is never because of whatever obstacle is placed in front of them. It is because they chose to focus on that obstacle versus focus on their ability to overcome that obstacle. Now, now because here's the thing. Because you think, man, I just couldn't make it because of X. Okay? And, right. Right. So then you gave X all of that power. When you sit up here saying, greater is he that's in me, that's in the world, and my God before me, who can be good? How is it that you say all of that, yet X got all that power? So then when I focus then on the greatness of my God rather than the greatness of my obstacle, it makes me blind. Watch this to the power of my obstacle. Remember, 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 remember when you, you when you were a kid and 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 you hadn't been taught limitations, and you hadn't been taught you hadn't been taught those kind of things, and so and so you'd go out and and you'd get into the you you'd go out and mess with stuff you had no business messing with. Cause cause watch this, you were blind to what it could have done to you. That's why the scripture says you got to have childlike faith. What is childlike faith? Childlike faith is I'm just doing whatever my daddy told me. That's, that's what I'm doing. You, 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 you'd play, uh, we used to play, when I, where I grew up, we used to play this uh, game, That's My Car. Anybody play that game? Now, here's the thing. You were five, six, seven, talking about, that's my car. And then if somebody else tried to claim your car, you would get angry with him and want to fight them because, you, no, that's, no, that's mine. Now you don't even like red. I don't know why you're even saying you like that one. Here's the problem. Watch this. You can't drive. Don't have a license? Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? 
You, you have no ability to even know what you're really saying, yet there's something in you that would make you say something and actually believe that what you were going to say come, would come to pass. You take a kid to the zoo. They'll walk up to the animals. They'll walk up to the lions. They don't understand that. Oh, it means I'm going to eat you if you don't back up. <laughs> They'll be out there playing with the lion, playing with the monkeys. Wanting to touch the zebras. Why? Because they hadn't been taught that that was something to fear. Because fear is taught. And fear is caught. What happened to you that taught you that you should fear that? What happened? Who said that? Oh, you better, you better not try to do that. Then massa find out you try. You better not try. See, why is it that people don't have a problem when, you, when you're not doing well? But all of a sudden, when you're saying, I'm breaking camp, and I'm coming up off the plantation, and I'm going to do something, and I'm not here to just be average, and I may make a few mistakes on my way, but baby, I, if God... Watch well, well, this. Watch well, this. Here it is. Watch this. Y'all all right? Okay. <laughs> you sure? All right, watch this, watch this. Verse 16, here it is. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and nobody gave him anything. That's a low place to say, I'll eat what a pig eats. I mean, he's supposed to be eating a pig. He's supposed to be having ham sandwiches and <laughs> roast pork loin with potatoes and bacon and mayonnaise sandwiches. Y'all know about the bacon and mayonnaise? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I feel glory right all through there. <laughs> and he's sitting there. Look what the Bible says. He would have gladly filled his stomach with what the pigs were eating. But nobody gave him anything. And I told you on Sunday, he had a job, y'all. We just read that in the previous verse. He was working for somebody. Yet he had nothing to show for it. Can we have a real moment for just a little bit? Have you ever been doing a lot and yet it seems like the lot that you're doing isn't producing you anything? You, okay, just, okay. Have you, can we have a real moment? Have you ever been doing so much and looking around and saying, God, but I'm seeing so little? The man said, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but nobody gave him anything. <laughs> no, no, nobody, nobody gave him anything. And in, in, in verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my daddy's servants have a lot of bread to eat? And here I am sitting, perishing with hunger. In verse 17, he, he said, I'm, I'm perishing with hunger. Now, I said this to you on Sunday, because look, 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 look at the words that, that the son uses. He said, I perish with hunger. Perish. He's dwindling away. He's dying. Now, now believe this. If he's in a pig pen with pigs and a pig's excrement, and, and all of that, you, you can rest assured that he didn't, he, he didn't got some kind of parasite. You, you can rest, aside, uh, 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 rest assured that he didn't got some kind of sickness. And one of the things I said to you that, that, that I wanted to bring clarity to is I said, how many of your sicknesses are induced by your rebellion? Now, I want to be very clear about what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God gives you sickness to teach you a lesson. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that when you're stressed out, you literally create a toxic body 
where cancers and sicknesses and illnesses and all that have a place to live. Do you understand what I'm saying? And normally, watch this, stress comes from rebellion. What do you mean stress comes from rebellion? I, I'm stressed out because I'm trying to provide for my family. But you're still in rebellion. What do you mean rebellion? He said pray over everything. And worry about nothing. You worried about everything and ain't prayed about nothing. That's still rebellion. He says, I'm sitting here perishing with hunger. And my daddy's servants, they're not even his sons. They serve him. Which means evidently, watch this, evidently, watch this. The father was a wealthy man. Because you can't be broke and have servants. So not only does this son leave his father, but he leaves a wealthy place. What is it that he wanted out there that he had convinced himself he couldn't get by remaining in here? His father's a wealthy man. He's got servants. And he says, and I perish with hunger. And I, I said this to you on the weekend. I said, what, what broke his pride? And I told you it was verse 16 because nobody was there. But watch this. When nobody else was there to run their mouth, the son has to start remembering what his father said. <laughs> Sometimes when the phone's not ringing, and even when you try to dial every number in it to try to get somebody on the line, and nobody's answering, I wish y'all would be honest with me. Anybody have done that? You, you, you didn't gone through every number on the phone. You didn't Facebook every person you can possibly Facebook. You didn't tweeted every person you can possibly. You didn't Instagram people, please call me. You didn't done everything that you possibly can. And you're trying to figure out how is it that in this moment there is nobody around. Can I suggest to you that maybe that was a God-orchestrated moment to make sure that nobody was available, to make sure that nobody was there. Why, Bishop? Because when nobody's there to give you anything, you got to start remembering what your father's already said. So, so, so here's what happened. Proverbs, Proverbs 6 and 20. Here, here's what happened. When there was nobody else to run their mouth, so all those friends that were running with him when he had some money, they don't want to deal with him now. He spent everything he had. All those folks that were around him, they didn't want to be with him now. He made the mistake of thinking that everybody would love him like his father did. Um, listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to what, the, what he says. Proverbs, Book of Wisdom. My son, keep your father's command. Now, I could spend about 20 minutes just right there. Notice it didn't say keep his suggestions. Jesus. My son, keep your father's Command. The issue with your neighbor, not you, you're spiritual, you got it. But your neighbor saw what they were told as a suggestion. And do not forsake the law of your mother. Now, let me give you the imagery. Mother in the book of Proverbs, when you see mother or woman, it is literally speaking of the wisdom that a father would impart to a son. Got it? So then the word father then means life giver. The word wisdom then is a life sustainer. So then the father gives life, and the words which he speaks then sustain that life. You understand? So when it says, do not forsake the law of your mother, he's actually talking about the same person but using imagery. He's saying, don't forget what your daddy said, and, and then he says, don't forsake the sustaining words that he gave you. Are you still here? 21. He says, 21. 21. 21. 21. There it is. Bind them continually upon your heart. 
tie them, watch this, around your neck. <laughs> now, now, now watch this. Now remember where we're at in, in the story with the, with the son, right? The son's in a pig pen. Nobody's there. You got it? Nobody's there to run their mouth. Got it? Now check this out. So now he's left to have to remember everything his father has said. Because his options are gone. Sometimes God has to get you to a place to where your options are gone. Okay. He says, bind them continually upon your heart. What is them? The words. He said, tie them around your neck. Next verse. When you roam, check this out, they will lead you. What will lead you? What he taught you. That's why some of you worried about your kids. Don't be worried about your kids. If you train them up in the way that they should go, eventually those words are going to come back around to them. When you roam, they will lead you. Look at this. And while you're sleeping, they're going to keep you. And when you get up, check this out, they're going to have a conversation with you. Bishop, what are you trying to say? He, he, he's saying that, that when there's nobody else around sometimes, sometimes the conversation that you have is a conversation with what you were taught. Here it is, 23. For the commandment is a what? Lamp. Now, where did we just see command from? What the Father said. For the commandment is a lamp and the, uh, the law a light. Well, where does the law come from? From the mother. Well, what does the mother do? It's the sustaining. It's the same person speaking. The father gives life. The words he speaks become a mother and sustain life. Reproofs of instruction are the what? Way of life. Can I suggest to you that perhaps some of the stuff you're dealing with is because you let nobody give you any kind of instruction? Okay, y'all ain't got to say nothing. I'm just finna then just listen. We, it's gonna be like that then. Uh huh. He said, reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So then now let's read that verse in, put it up, read the verse in, read it out. So then a lack of instruction is why, watch this, you have no life. You can live life either by experiment or by design. The problem with experiment is that every once in a while you have an explosion in the lab. All right, all right. Okay, verse 24. I thought this was a Wednesday night crowd. Verse 24. To keep you, now check this out, then it takes a turn. To keep you from an evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Uh-huh, next verse. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure, uh, let her allure you with her eyelids. Watch this. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. And an adulteress was prey upon his precious life. Next verse. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? <laughs> Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? Look, look, look at me, y'all. Look at somebody trying to figure out, Bishop, why, why did he take that turn there? Why did he take that turn there? He was demonstrating to his son that what he was teaching him as he's, giving this, as, he's, as he's giving this lesson of wisdom, he's saying to him, he's saying, listen, son, he's saying now, uh, you're going to need this for a day coming. And that day might not be the day, but when that day comes, you're going to need to be able to remember. Come on, let's go where we've been. What have I been saying the last few weeks? Uh, you don't need a new revelation, son. You just need a reminder. 
So what does he say? He says, be careful. He, t- he, he says, be careful of this evil woman. So literally he's saying, oh, watch out who you get in relationships with because that might be the thing that ends up destroying you. But what's the greater point there? The greater point is, is be careful who you're allowing in your ear. Because you've been saying that a lot because you need to hear it a lot. You and me for two hours out the week. And that's only if you come Sundays and Wednesdays. So every opportunity I get to tell you, I'm going to tell you, watch them ears. So he says, he says, be careful. He says, because through the means of a harlot. <laughs> God, I, I. He says, through the means of a harlot is a man reduced to a crust of bread. You understand this? Watch this. Whenever God is ready to do something great in your life, sometimes a Delilah will show up. Bishop, what do you mean a Delilah? I'm not talking about literally for for all the men saying, see, bitch, that's what I'm saying. I'm not talking about, I'm not literally talking about a literal woman. I'm talking about what her name means. The word Delilah means one who weakens or makes poor. God was ready to make Judas an apostle. Delilah shows up in the form of the Pharisees. You still here? Got to be careful. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. Who's in your ear? All right, let, let's move because I want us to get through this. Verse 18. He says, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. And I said this to you. He, 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 he practices what he's going to say. And I said this to you. How long did he practice what he should have been performing? Niggas and neighbors say it's showtime. This is, this is it right here. We're not at the scrimmage. We're not at practice. We're at the game. Touch your neighbor say, we're at the game. Uh, and all of what you've been taught, now this is the time to use all of that which you've been taught, all the word that's been poured into you, all the prophetic words that have been spoken over you. This is showtime. Touch somebody, tell them it's showtime. Now, 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 watch this. Watch this. I said this to you, and I want to revisit this. Because redundancy is the teacher's best friend. Somebody said, Bishop, you're just essentially saying a lot of what you said Sunday. I know, because you need to hear it again. What's this? I asked you this question. Is why did he sin and leave in the first place? And I told you that he rejected his father before his father could reject him. Now, now hear me. There are certain things that you make happen in your life that wouldn't have actually happened in your life. Because sometimes we find a way to mess stuff up. I was, in, I was looking at a movie uh, this on uh, the other day, and, and in the movie, the girl says to the guy, she says, listen, she says, you're a really nice guy. She just says, but you always find a way to mess stuff up. Now, 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 now watch this. This son rejects his father before he could be rejected by his father because he didn't think he was good enough. So how do you come to that conclusion? His comments while in the pig pen reveal his real mindset. He says he's going to say this to his father. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer, here's the word, worthy to be called your son. He didn't just start thinking that when he messed up. He started thinking that way before the pig pen. Bishop, how do you know that? Because he had been thinking that for years while he was comparing himself to his older brother and to his father. Oh, God, we're going to work this right here. Rather than let his father's presence inspire him, He compared and competed with him. Oftentimes when relationships fail, they fail because they are not complimenting one another or inspiring one another. They are, in fact, in competition with one another. You know this by virtue of how they argue. 
Well, you didn't do this. Well, you didn't do this. That's competing. No, just let it sit there. Did I look? God, trying, God is trying to tell you something. I am teaching way better than y'all are saying amen. Let's let it hang, Lord. Let it hang over the people's heads. Amen. <laughs> Here it is. Watch this. When God places you in the presence of anyone great, it's not to compare or to compete, but it's to inspire. You make yourself miserable when you compare yourself to people who were not dealt the same hand you were. And you'll sit up and be having a good day until you see somebody else drive by, but they knew this and they knew that. And you're saying, well, I don't have that. Well, you don't know what they're paying for that. <laughs> That's funny, though. And I said this to you. I said this to you. Hear me, y'all. What you say in your worst moments reveal what you were really thinking in your best moments. Any pit or pig pen that you fall into, you didn't just start digging it. You'd been digging it for years, and you just finally fell into it. Now, now here, here's, what I wanted, here's what I wanted to get to. Y'all with me? Now, now, watch this. Verse 20. And he arose. It means he got up out of that low place. He got out of that depression. He got up out of that pity party. He stopped crying for himself. He stopped saying, woe is me. Stop saying, uh, don't cry for me, Argentina. All this here. He stopped all that. And he came to his father, and while he was still a great far way off, Look, his father saw him and had compassion. And he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. I said this to you. Scripture says when you draw nigh or close to God, God grows close to you. But now, now check this out. Here's the greater principle. Whatever you draw nigh to, draw nigh to you, draws nigh to you. The big principle what you're trying to say. If you're drawing nigh to depression, well, now wonder is right there with you. If you're drawing nigh to dysfunction, no wonder it's drawing nigh to you. If you're drawing nigh to complaining, no wonder it's drawing nigh to you. You, you ever sat up and said, uh, wondered to yourself, why I keep bringing all these kind of people around me? Why do I have these kind of people around you? Because you drew nigh. So they drew nigh. <laughs> you still here? Now, now, now watch this, watch this. I was, I was meeting with a spiritual daughter, and she was saying, Bishop, that's a great point you, you're making. She said, but doesn't the Bible, doesn't the Bible say that, that, because that, you said, I said on Sunday that even love didn't have the ability to fix this son's issue with rejection. Got it? And then I told you about Adam, how Adam had God himself, which is love incarnate with him. And he still tried to hide and fight being rejected. So, so, so I said that to you, and they said, Bishop, now, doesn't love conquer all? And, and here's something you need to know. The Bible don't say that. I, I know you thought it did. People said that. The Bible does not say love conquers all. It says that, and we are more than conquerors in all these things through his love. Now, but you can't interpret that to mean love conquers all. But let's assume that it did say love conquers all. It does not say love fixes anything. Because even love has to be received. Are you hearing me? Even love has to be received. Okay? I can tell you I have a million dollars that I'm going to give to you. (laughs) 
good church. Y'all getting good. Now I see her talk about some money. Now y'all, that's right, Bishop. Now I see that. Now y'all want to talk. I said, I have a million dollars street. Now here's the deal. If you don't go to the bank and you don't make a withdrawal, that money is as good as never having been there. It's the same thing when, when we look at love. It's the same thing when we look at this issue with this son, is that while all of this was there for his son, he didn't receive it. What, what is it that you have to learn how to be a good receiver of? Can, can we just have about 30 seconds right here? Anybody where you don't have a problem doing for other people, but sometimes when it's time for do for you, you kind of, you know, you know, everybody else got new stuff and this and that and this and that, and you feel bad when you go buy you some socks. You get a six-pack of socks and say, well, I was just wondering. I don't know. I don't know if I need all six of them. I probably could just get away with, I don't know if I really need the Hanes. Maybe I can just get the Walmart brand. Cause... Say, Lord, cause me to be a good receiver. Watch this. We're almost done. Watch this. Verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And I said this to you at the beginning. He concluded that he could no longer be a son, so he demoted himself when his father did not. There's stuff in your life that you've disqualified yourself from that God has not. There's certain stuff you said, oh, well, maybe back when I was in my 20s, I could have did that, but I can't do that now. Maybe back when I was in high school, I could have did that, but not now. Maybe it was in my 30s, maybe it was in my 40s, maybe it was in my 50s. Maybe it was in... Listen, who, who said that? Who, who told you that? Who knows? It's too late to try to start that business now. Who, who told you that? You know that if you look at the history of our country, that the greatest and most prosperous businesses were started in rough financial and economic times. People didn't start businesses at the top. They started them at the bottom. So by the time they made it to the top, you saw them make it to the top. Mr. What are you trying to say? What, what, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? What, what I'm trying to say is this: is what have you disqualified yourself from that God has not disqualified you from? And what have you taken off of your map because you think, oh, there's no way I could do that. I messed up too bad. I did this. I did. There's no way that could happen for me. And then what happens, parents, when you start doing that is now you begin to try to live vicariously through your children. Don't have time to work that, but I could work it like a part-time job. <laughs> watch this. Watch, watch this. Say, I am not, I am not disqualified. disqualified. Say it again. I am not, I am not disqualified. disqualified. Say it again. I am not, I am not disqualified. disqualified. The story goes on. I'm out of time. The story goes on, and, and, and here's the part I, I want us to end with right here in, in, in verse 22. But the father said to his servants, he said, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatty calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. Watch the change. He's lost and now he's found. And they began to have a party. Now, now check this out. They didn't have any conversation about where the boy had been. He just said, clean him up and let's go celebrate. 
Sometimes there's stuff you sitting here trying to say, oh, and God is like, I don't even want to talk about that. I just want to get you to the party. Can we just have a moment where any of you, before you knew Jesus, the party didn't start until you got there? Okay, I know you don't do that now, but before you knew the Lord. God says, listen, I'm just waiting on you to show up so we can start the party. We, ain't, we got the hot wings. Ain't nobody touched the hot wings. Ain't nobody messed with the Kool-Aid. Ain't nobody messed with nothing because we were waiting on you to get here. What is it that God is saying, I'm waiting on you to show up for us so we can start? Somebody's waiting on you to get in position. Somebody's waiting on you to get in place. Somebody's waiting on you to get up out of that pit. Somebody's waiting on you to get up out of that depression. He said, and they began to be merry. They began to celebrate. And I said this to you. I said this to you. We applaud his compassion, but we ignore the father's crisis. We ignore it because we see the celebration. And often where there is a celebration, there was once devastation. To, to cope with his son's crazy behavior. Here's the problem again. The father apparently had to eventually conclude that his son was dead. Now, some of you, you may be in that predicament in real life. You may not have talked to your children. Maybe you didn't talk to your ex this, ex that, whatever. It's, you know, sometimes you have to come to that conclusion. Because our psyche is built, our mind, is built in such a way that it has to close things out. So, so if it doesn't, if it isn't given a conclusion, it then has to create one. And the problem with creating a conclusion is that when you create a conclusion, you'll normally come up with something far worse than what reality was. Anybody have been like that where you, you come up with something totally just, you know, your kid doesn't call you back for 15 minutes. You're like, I don't believe this. They over there doing such and such with so and so and such, and I can't believe. And I told him not to go over there and do that. Come on, let's go. We finna go get him. And you do all of that. They'd be like, oh, I'm upstairs asleep. Why? Because our psyche is built that it has to close things out. It has to bring things to conclusion. Check this out. Check this out. Here's what I wanted to get us. The, son, uh, the father has to eventually conclude that. Now, check this out. The lack of communication with him. No letters. No text messages. Watch this. It eventually has to give the father the impression that his son is dead. So he has to go through the grieving process as if his son has died. Imagine, and some of you can, imagine that someone you care very much about is alive, but your psyche has to conclude that they're dead because your mind will not allow this door to remain open, so it has to conclude it. Okay, what, 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 Bishop, Bishop, what are you trying to say? Uh, uh, uh. The father not only comes to that conclusion, but I said this to you on Sunday, and here's where I want us to end. I think there's something else that the father did. Because do you notice how midstream he changes his confession? God, come on here, church. Verse 24, put it up for me. Verse 24. Verse 24, there it is. Ooh, there it is. For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. What's the change? Midstream. That ain't Jesus. He was lost <laughs> and is found. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. For this my son was dead and is alive again. You missed the change. 
He was lost, and now he's found. It's impossible for something to be dead and lost. Okay, all right. He's dead and is alive again. He was lost, and he is found. Now, in the grand scheme of things, you could use this to interpret somebody coming to Jesus. They were dead in their sins, dead in their trespasses, and their trespasses, and now they've come to life in Christ. But, but understand where we're going with this. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Wow, wow, wow. What are you trying to say? Midstream, the father, as he is speaking, recognizes that his first confession needs to be corrected. Okay, somebody going to get this. The father is happy, and he's happy in this moment, but he recognizes that his first confession needs a little augmentation. His first confession is not a completely accurate confession because he can't go from being dead to being alive and then being lost to being found. Either he was lost or he was dead. So the father says, I had to conclude that at one point, but then once I found out what the word said, I had to come to another confession. Okay, put it back up because they ain't got it yet. For the, I got five minutes. Y'all have to get this in five minutes. We're not doing another two-CD night. Here it is. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Midstream, the father says, let me correct myself. There's some of y'all that you've been walking around and, and you've been having a confession that you thought was good, but it was really bad because you were stating that something was what it was not. You've been saying, oh, I'm just going through. No, but you better get a correction to that. I've already came out. Bishop, what you trying to say? It is not what it is. Come on here. What have I been saying to you? It is what you call him. That's why the scripture says we got to be like him and call things that be not. Which means I may have started out talking wrong, but midstream I learned how to correct it. You may have said that man ain't no good, but midstream, you got to learn how to correct it and say he's a mighty man of valor. You may have started out saying, I don't know how this is going to work, but then midstream corrected and say, but I know it's working together for my good. You may have started with one confession, but midstream, he corrected it. I was with, I was with my leaders this uh, a few days ago, and we were praying for some things. We were making some decrees and, uh, and all that. And uh, as, as we were praying for some things, I was taking notes. Because, see, y'all make spirit, prayer real deep and weird. Now, see, if you understand the scripture, the scripture says uh, that it teaches by James chapter 5 that everything we speak is a prayer. B Bishop, how do you know that? How, how do you know that? Because in James chapter 5, I got three minutes. We are not doing two CDs, so y'all got to come on with me. Watch this. James chapter 5 says, And Elijah, with a man and a nature like ours, prayed earnestly that it would not rain for thus, thus and so amount of time, and it did not rain. Here's the problem. Uh, go put up 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Real quick, come on. 1 Kings 17, 1. If you got your Bible, flip that real quick, but you got to, you got to flip it. I mean, for real flip it. 1 Kings 17, 1. Come on. Okay, here it is. And Elijah, now remember what I just told you James chapter 5 said. It says that he did what? Prayed. But let's see what he actually did. And Elijah the Tishbite, the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, he did what? 
He said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no doing, no rain, nor these years, except at my word. You missed it. James chapter 5 said he prayed. What he actually did was say it to somebody. Which means everything that comes out of my mouth is a prayer. So the father said, my son who was dead is now alive. But then midstream, he corrects himself and says, no, 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 my, 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 my fault, my fault. I didn't mean to say it like that. He was lost, but now my boy's been found. And if you need to know Jesus and become a Christian for the first time, he loves you. He died for you. All of what you've learned tonight was all a part of the story of Jesus giving his life for us so we could have abundant life. You were not created to be less than. You were not created to be messed up and jacked up. You were created to have life and life abundantly. Bishop, what is life? Life is the Greek word zoe, which means you got so much life that you're bringing other people back to life. You know that you're living when you become a place where people can also get life from. Secondly, if you're in this place tonight and you've given your life to Jesus, but you've fallen away from him and you need to rededicate yourself to him in this moment, I want to give you that opportunity. If you've been this son who has run from the Lord and you need to come back to the Lord, tonight is your night. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not trying to beat you up or throw you down. He's got a great plan for you. And sometimes you can get away from that plan thinking you know it and thinking you know what's good for you. But the truth is, is only the manufacturer knows what the product's supposed to be used for. And God, as he manufactured you, he is the one that has the great plan for how you are to be used. And so tonight, if either one of those is you, you need to become a Christian for the first time or rededicate yourself on the count of three, throw your hand up. If you're in here on the internet campus, throw your hand up. One through three, if that's you, throw your hand up. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you paid the price for all of my sin, for all of my wrongdoing. You love me. You died for me. I thank you that you were looking for me when I didn't even know that I needed to look for you. Thank you for forgiving me for all of my sin. If this is my first time praying this, I am a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. I thank Hey, Cricket customers, Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Phone plan streams in standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.